bear with me on this but okay even by my standards this is a bit too bullshit <sighs> fine i love it <laughs> can't wait Welcome to the stage, VP of Moving Pictures and Indie Discovery, an indie gaming podcast by Rock Paper Shotgun, Liam Richardson. <laughs> okay, no, bear with me, I'm going to do the worst accent you've ever fucking heard here. <laughs> Hello everybody, thank you, thank you so much. I'm delighted and honoured to be here at the RPS Theatre in downtown Los Angeles for our annual Not E3 Indie Showcase. We here at Indie Discovery firmly believe in the power of play, utilising the benefits of interactive media to deliver sensational experiences to players all around the world. What do you think it's like to be born with shame? Do you think it helps? Indie games made by independent creators form the backbone of what we do here at Indie Discovery. Games made by gamers for gamers, played by gamers, delivered to them on their gaming console so they can game in any way they want to game. Tonight I will be joined by some of this industry's most talented minds to reveal to you the biggest indie games of the next few years. This bit about pretending to be an executive on stage at E3 was already loosely held together by a bad American accent and a bunch of marketing jumbo but it is now going to completely lose all semblance of reality the second I introduce the concept of two women being allowed to speak with a film <laughs> industry showcase. Please welcome to the stage, Chief Executive of Guided Content, Rebecca Jones. Hello. And Head of Critical Articles, Rachel Watts. Hey, hello. Hello. It's destroyed me. It's so warm. Perfect. It's no, so no, warm, it's... guy. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> Um, I, I just lost it. I lost it at the, the two women part. It's so true. It's true. You know what, Jeff? If you're listening, Jeff, I think it's harder to not have a woman on stage than it is to have a woman on stage at this point. Like, the show yeah. was four hours long, mate. Like, what are you playing? God damn it. Probably just buffering his shiny trainers. <laughs> These bloody brand new tr- trainers. Jeff. How are you both doing? You doing all right? Yeah. Yeah, good. Warm. Sorry, that was just warm. Yeah. Yes. Really <laughs> long pause like where we tried to decide whether we were okay or not. <laughs> yes. <Uh-oh. laughs> oh, it's oh. hot. It's hot here in the UK. Very hot. It's very warm. And we've had to get our, our windows are shut. We don't have our fans on. Uh, houses are not built yeah. for hot weather. <laughs> I've got my study door open as a treat. So, yeah, I'm just hoping that my house doesn't make any weird noises while while we're recording. Does your house often make weird noises? Yes. Are you haunted? Possibly. (laughs) Is your house haunted? See, this house, I've looked it up because for having it insured and stuff, we've lived here for a couple of years. It was built in 1995, so you would think that it hadn't had much time to get haunted. But honestly, Mm. it sometimes behaves as if it's pretty haunted, so... We'll see. Really? In what ways? As in, quite often, 
um, I will hear noises from downstairs that make me think that my partner's come home and I will go and see <gasps> if he's home and he's not. Um, the electrics are weird as hell. For, again, for such a new house. It's ghosts just, in oh the God. wires. Yeah, ghosts in the wires. Um, just generally the state of repair is odd sometimes. Again, for a new and fairly fairly well-kept house. It's strange Strange things happen in this house sometimes. That is interesting. I, You know what? Screw E3. Immediately I want to go down a random tangent we haven't discussed. You've, you've Do heard either it. of you have any ghost stories? <laughs> oh. Ghost stories? No, I don't. No. This is this is a funny one because I had, from my childhood, I had this one, this one event that I was so sure that was me seeing a ghost. Um, mm. And then on my birthday last year, we were all having a drink and I brought it up to my parents and they've got no memory of it. But in my memory, they were quite freaked out by it. So I'm like, well, clearly that's a false memory from childhood, right? So yeah, probably mm-hmm. not, but it was, it would be cooler if I did. <laughs> what was, what was the story that you think happened? So we were in London when I was maybe six or seven um, yeah. and we were walking around a graveyard. My mum loves walking around graveyards. Uh, she loves a good graveyard. And I remember we were trying to trying to get out, get out of the graveyard, like back into the street to go somewhere else. And following this woman through a kind of like a, a tunnel into what was the, like the the sort of back area of the church and getting there and it's all high walls, no doors, mm. no nothing, no woman, mm. right? And it being really creepy. And it's like, well, where did she go? Because we were just a few steps behind her. And I have the vividest memory of this happening. And my parents being like, what the hell that was weird um but yeah i asked them on my birthday last year um and they were like no no memory of that so i'm like it must be like it's probably a mix of several different memories from early childhood oh uh, yeah just, maybe just like rattling together <laughs> to make that sounds like a cool. story though it's a cool yeah, story like a i wish it was true book. it's clearly untrue it's yeah, the problem it is, yeah <laughs> the woman in the church by rl stein <laughs> <laughs> how about you liam any ghost encounters um my my first girlfriend when I was a teenager, um, the house that she lived in was super old and there was always like a bad energy in that house. And I don't mm. believe in ghosts, but I've had a lot of like things happen that I can't explain. And it's same. I still yeah. don't believe in them, but I'm just like, I'm sure this is I don't know. But it's cool carbon and monoxide weird. poisoning. Yeah. <laughs> in the house once we were both in bed and there was no one else in the house and we were um laughing and like having a joke, and as we both stopped laughing, there was still someone in the room laughing. <gasps> That's Weird. That's so weird. Like, no. Audibly in the room. No one no. else in the house. Um, and then one night I went to use the loo. There's only one toilet in the house. Uh, I knocked on the door and I went, is anyone in there? And uh, her mum went, yep. And I went, oh, okay. Uh, should I use the toilet downstairs? And she went, yep. And I went downstairs and her mum was downstairs. No. And I went, I laughed and I went, wow, that's really good. You're good at like projecting your voice. And she went, what do you mean? I went, well, you just said yes to me from the bathroom. And she went, I'm not, I'm in upstairs. <gasps> that's amazing. And my oh. girlfriend was stood next to me as well. And also I had a, a friend at uni who said she could see spirits. Oh my and God. Uh, she, she told me that I had a, a young blonde man that followed me around. And when she told me that, she then shriveled in herself and said he was really angry that I knew. <gasps> and independently from not, telling anyone else my mom was going to like a like a candle meditation and she said she was looking into the flame of the candle and she saw a young blonde man and she couldn't explain it but she just felt like he had a connection to me in some way and oh my God. i hadn't told her any of this story and uh even now i'm like 
I don't know what that means. Mm. <laughs> I don't believe it, but it's a bit weird. Like, coincidentally. Oh, anyway, so there's my ghost stories. <laughs> so, uh, so we're pivoting to becoming a true hauntings podcast, yeah? That's the plan. I, I mean, maybe. We'll see it. how this indie stuff works out. Yeah. <laughs> you okay, <laughs> Rachel? Sorry. You do look quite distressed. Oh, no. Sorry, here's me just like, yes, this is brilliant, finally. <laughs> yeah. What was that You're guy? You're like the sickles meme right now. <laughs> huh? That guy from Ghost Hunters, Derek Akora. Derek Akora. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do it, and that woman we would could. always cry. That would be me. I just nothing would have happened. Yeah, yeah. that feels just, just freaking out. Yes. Oh my goodness. I used to love that show. Like I didn't believe in a thing that they said on that show. Again, I no. would describe myself no. as pretty hard skeptic, but it was fun. Do you, Do you think, let's say, the three of us were in a haunted house? Do you think you two would be afraid of being in the like a like a dark, spooky house, or do you think you'd be fine? Because I would be crying. I would be time. afraid. Even though I don't believe anything. Yeah. I, I love yeah. horror, but I have really high anxiety. So of course, I would immediately faced with the situation in real life. I mm. would I would wimp out straight away for sure. But I do Fair. feel like if it was us three, <laughs> it would be like we'd be laughing, crying. That's like, true. It That's was true. true. Yeah, true. <laughs> if I was on my own, I would accept my fate. If I was with Uto, I'd be like, right, let's just run through the house. This has always been my thing with horror films, right, mm. and with ghosts as well. You just run everywhere because the moment you stop is when the feelings set in. So if you just keep your body moving, like running around, I like that as an idea. I hadn't really considered <laughs> that. No one can before. touch me. Me running around in circles. No one can touch me. I'm. If you get, if, if you stay ready. You don't have to uh-huh. get ready. <laughs> See, for me, the important thing—the important thing is stay together. You know, when like a door slams yes. between them, I'm like, don't yes. let that. Don't let there be a door shaped space between you. Like, move through. Like, yeah. Oh, I know. And it's even worse when you run through one door and then come out a different door, and then oh. the ghost is chasing you, and then you're chasing the ghost, oh, and then you're no. carrying your dog, and then the ghost is carrying you and the dog. And <laughs> I hate when this happens. It happens all the time. Oh. To me. <laughs> I just bought Scooby Doo pajamas, by the way. So that's my. Did you? Yes. I'm Hell happy. yeah! <laughs> Scooby Doo pajamas. Incredible. Love that for you. <laughs> yeah. Did you see you had no ghost stories, Rachel? No, because you know what it is. I feel like I grew up with a lot of cats, and so whenever mm. the house would make a noise or something would go bump, you'd just be like, "Oh, it's the cat." And even yeah. like now, yeah. like if something was to genuinely like crash downstairs, I'd just be like, "Oh, it's wizard." Yeah. Like, no worries. That's, mm. that's fair. Like, I, I wouldn't even question it. Yeah. So I feel like I've missed out. On all these ghost stories, because I've just seen, assume it's no. seen pictures of that cat. It's definitely wizard, <laughs> <laughs> right? I'm like, oh, this sounds like there's someone laughing downstairs. Oh, it's just wizard, just just my cat. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you really want to just put the skeptic hat on to uh, to bring this discussion full circle, it's probably just because although I do live in a detached house, um, there's a very narrow corridor between our house and the neighbor's house. And oh, yeah. I often mm-hmm. suspect that all these weird noises that I think are in my kitchen are actually mm-hmm. just coming from the uh, the entryway that we share with the next door neighbours. But that's less fun than speculating. Now nah, we'll on... say it's ghosts. Yeah, ghosts. It's way more fun. Way cooler. I th- thought you were going to say, to bring this conversation round full circle, is do we think Jeff Keighley's a ghost? Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, let's get into it. Why not? Like, I Maybe this leads into the first conversation I was going to have. I was going to say E3 has changed. It feels really weird to talk professionally on this podcast i always find it really jarring uh, much more natural to talk about ghosts mm-hmm. e3 has changed so much over the years like the three of us have been working in games media yeah. for you know a certain length of time and obviously e3 itself as an event was cancelled this year our parent company read pop was going to bring it back that didn't happen instead we've been left with just this onslaught of individual presentations where companies control the narrative 
you know, there's very little access for mm. press anymore. It's a very interesting and strange time, I think, where it's not one weekend, it's now six weeks or something. It's very tiring to cover it. But how do we feel about E3 as an ongoing concern or Summer Game Fest? Not Games Fest, which really irritates me. I it's know. game, singular. Ugh, there's more than right? one game, Jeff. <laughs> Ghost Jeff. <laughs> Um, but yeah, how do we how do we feel about E three? How, how do we how do we think of it as an event? It's difficult because I feel like over the past couple of years, indie mm -hmm. games have gotten a bigger role in E three, mm -hmm. not E three, whatever we're calling it. And so I'm really happy for that. Things like Wholesome Direct doesn't need to be like an in person in stage event. Yes. Tribeca doesn't need to be an in person in stage event. It's giving a lot of these smaller outlets the accessibility, the time, the money to actually be able to participate. But so I'm happy in that regard. But yeah, having the PC gaming show and the future show and spread over like, yeah, six weeks is is a lot. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Does Starfield need its own direct? I would probably say no, but I mean, of course I would. I don't Rachel, know. it's the most important RPG of the decade, according to the people publishing it. <laughs> <laughs> right? What was that about? Anyway, it's weird that one. It's yeah. everyone's like tooting their own horn about it, and I feel like if that was in competition with other announcements, you would not have the half an hour space to make your argument. You would have to convince players and viewers and fans in like the five minute segment that you you've paid out mm -hmm. of pocket for and yeah i'm not sure i i think for me i'm just glad that indie games are getting the bigger spotlight because before it was very much like oh they're part of this initiative we're doing oh yeah we love the indies look at this initiative where like it's like come on just give them their own space they don't need to be part of like some pity party do you know what i mean mm. but um but for me I'm all for it. I do. I, I don't like how long it is, but I do like that. Yeah. Um, smaller places are getting a more of a, in, more of a spotlight. Mm. Yeah, I agree. It's a really nice way of looking at it. How about you, Rebecca? Can I just agree with Rachel? Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm going to do. Yeah. I mean, no, Rachel, you've really, you've really hit the nail on the head in a way that I couldn't have done in my current mindset. And also just because like, because of the way my career through the industry has gone, I have never experienced two E3s or not E3s in mm -hmm. anything like the same context, basically. So I have a very poor overall idea of how E3 is sort of inverted commas meant to feel versus mm. yeah. how it actually does go. Because like most of most of my most of my time in this in industry has been pandemic years anyway, which makes it really hard to get a read on things. And then like even this year, and this is I'm just gonna get my excuse out of the way now. Well we're kind of on the subject. <laughs> Last year for RPS, I covered I think I covered the most E3, not E3 events out of everybody on the team. I ended up going on the wow. electronic wireless show because I had seen every event I was up all mm. night with all of yes. them. Yes. Um this mm. year I did episode. nothing. I did no coverage because the guides team were exempt because Diablo 4 came out the same week and so we weren't <laughs> asked to do not e3 as well so i've seen everything i've seen is just stuff that i've checked out out of my own interest i'm much less well informed this year um than i was last year so mm. and yeah it's just that sort of weirdness always i think just as a guides writer in general always marks out your relationship with e3 sometimes you'll be really yeah. on it and sometimes you'll yeah. barely notice it's happening so yeah yeah i am kind of in a similar position to you because even though i did do a couple of live blogs and then i did a big video that's on the rps youtube channel where i asked everyone on the team what their favorite games were uh check it out please i spent most of this year's e3 in a hut in the lake district drinking wine oh nice. incredible I, 
didn't watch many of the shows until <laughs> after the fact and then just sort of caught up on stuff. So yeah, I think we've all sort of had a bit of a different relationship with it this year. Mm-hmm. Um, That's very Rachel, I know you were you were covering it quite extensively, weren't you? Yeah. And because we're RPS as well, like a lot of outlets maybe miss a couple of the indie games, but since we're RPS, yeah. we literally have to hit most, if not everything, that's announced. So yeah, I yeah. was I was working <laughs> the Thursday and the Sunday. Which I mean, it's all like we all come together. It's something that's just part of being a journalist. It's fine. Mm-hmm. I'm used to it. But yeah, the the fact that we really do cover <laughs> every announcement. Yeah. Oh is, my uh, goodness! Yeah, a little yeah. peek behind the scenes is the moment when a PlayStation or Nintendo exclusive gets announced mm. at not E3. Everyone on the RPS team, you can like hear this sigh of relief yes. just because yep. it's like, okay, we've got three <laughs> minutes to catch up on everything, guys. Yes. Make it count. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's funny. Oh, it's Spider-Man 2. Oh, <gasps> thank God. Right. Go for a wee. <laughs> Time for a quick wee. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, um, this today we will be talking about our favourite indie games from Not E3, and then mm-hmm. to celebrate Pride Month, we're going to have a quick Ooh, chat about woo. some queer games and some games from Itch's Queer Game Bundle. So, shall we dive into part one? Sure. Mm-hmm. Oh, can I just little little note in here i've remembered a second mm-hmm. game from not e3 that i'd like to talk about briefly oh. but it will be very brief if that's okay also yeah. actually i'll get your read on it now because liam might tell me off otherwise um still wakes the deep indie how do we feel oh yeah chinese say, room right fuck so, it. yeah of course it's indie okay yeah. cool 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 just didn't it want to live telling indie, off though. from liam oh, I, I don't like that i'm like the policeman of the <laughs> does ear cab include me when i tell you off on this podcast <laughs> <laughs> look, look, Liam, really, I'm just relieved that the Royals lawyer isn't me for once. Just let me have this, please. I'm I'm deeply, deeply ashamed of that one time I did that. No! I'm sorry. There was one game I was gonna pick that was Microsoft published, and I was like, it'd be really funny it, if I did that. Oh, I want you, you to do it, it though. I want you to do it. But yeah, genuinely, I do I do look to you as kind of a a good guideline on this so it's not i mean i am taking the piss because you're my friend but also genuinely like it's it, funny it makes me laugh every time a useful I, resource I like to have <laughs> <laughs> oh some of that was so good i'm sorry i made that an aside and now we're gonna not be able to have does a cab include me i'll leave a bit of that in what what's jeff what's jeff's fans called are the jeff jeffers are the jeffers gonna be angry at me <laughs> the jeffers <laughs> the jeffer cakes <laughs> The oh. Jeffa Cakes. <laughs> the Jeffa Cakes? Oh, good I should really like that. The oh. Jeffa Cakes. Jeffa Cakes. I, I want our fans fan. to be called the Jeffa Cakes. I might the legally Jeffa change cakes. my name to Jeff so we can have... <laughs> the Jeffa Cakes? Jeffa Cakes is so good, Rachel. <laughs> <laughs> very good his his tweets were so delicious when e3 got cancelled did you see he was loving oh. it Ugh. it's so grim oh it's so grim yeah no I, I definitely think there is a problem with that but i was like you know what rachel's got the good analysis on indies at e3 and i'm like keep it nice let's <laughs> positive let's keep it indie focused for our indie oh. podcast Although, you know i haven't even mentioned ace attorney yet that's how committed i am to keeping this indie <laughs> I'm I can sure see Ace Attorney, Ace Attorney, Ace Attorney. There we go. <laughs> Done it three times. It's cool. <laughs> oh no, that makes Miles Edgeworth appear outside your door. Oh no! <laughs> How terrible he's, for the he's three the of ghost. us. <laughs> <It's> so terrible. <gasps> okay. Okay. It's warm enough in here, isn't it? It's this heat. Call it right I'm, now. I'm going through fucking menopause, and I'm thirty. <laughs> Not only are we recording this in the blistering heat. 
this is a Monday podcast. Oh, fuck. Like, yeah, I forgot it was Monday. The vibes of this are unreal. Like, what are we yeah. doing? It's my Friday, but it's it's everyone's Monday. <laughs> oh, yeah, true. It is, yeah. Yeah, true. But then we're all travelling down to Brighton tomorrow and, oh, whatever. Fuck. No one no one cares. Uh, so, <laughs> Let's dive into some of our favorite indies from Not E3. Rachel, you want to go first? Yeah, sure. Um, I want to talk about On Guard as much as I can yes. on every single outlet we've ever. Yeah, let's talk about, about On Guard um, because it, if there was, uh, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but like, I feel like if there was like an indie game to encapsulate like all three of our vibes, mm-hmm. this game is the one. Oh yeah, I, 100%. I saw yeah. it and I was immediately like, this is the this is an indie discovery game. So yep. <laughs> On Guard yes. is being uh, developed by Five Place Games. It's their debut debut game. It looks amazing. I've played the demo as well. You can also play the demo. I think it's around for Steam Next Fest. So totally do that. Um, essentially you play as like a swordstress, like a female swordstress, as she like kind of duels her way through a Mediterranean city, uh, filled with like guards and, um, soldiers. And it's kind of like a dueling game. So there's a lot of like combat where you have to parry in time, dodge in time, um, just like move around different environments where you can like take advantage of like there's like a crate and you can kick the crate it will hit the person to give you a like a a couple of seconds to like get a, a hit in or you can like boot guards off the side of like piers into seawater or into like a rack of weapons that will then fall on top of them it's also really cheeky in vibe it's very mischievous like the main character is super like likable she's like a zorro-esque figure um i've said this again before it's very princess bride which is why i think rebecca would like love this game um, in humor and tone yeah it's just a really charming game and the trailer's really great and yeah the demo's awesome so that was my number one out of all the indie games all the stuff from not e3 was on guard which looks amazing and i might have a little crush on the protagonist i think we might all have a little crush on the <laughs> yes. protagonist when you said it's yeah. the most indie discovery game i assumed that was what you meant it's just that we <laughs> yes. saw this uh this this beautiful yeah. lady swashbuckler and it was like yeah that's that's us done like guys okay she has a cape and boots and like a big hat and her voice is amazing it's like she's just really great it's the color palette as well she's got that beautiful like turquoise and yes and, like the tan yeah. and teal she just oh everything about i love her so much already i've not even managed to play the demo yet but i'm like Yes, mm. it it has the feel to me, and this is perhaps a little preemptive, but we'll see if I still feel the same in six months' time. If not yes. of an RPS game of the year, then at least potentially of an indie discovery game of the year. It really yeah. does have, yeah. like it's got like that dredge. It appeals to everyone kind of vibe, in my mm-hmm. opinion. It, yeah, I haven't played the demo yet either, but um, just from you mentioned this on the uh, video that we did as well, Rachel. Yes. And I, I, I watched that trailer maybe like twelve times as it looped in the background and. I just notice like little details every single time it looped and just the just the sense of fun and and sort of like swashbuckling adventure Mm. is kind of rare to see in a game and I think they've really nailed that and it looks fantastic. Yeah, it's like it's not often that you get a female protagonist who is Uh kind of witty, but there's also, and I think this is I like this, it's very gender bending. Like Mm. this kind of this kind of archetype is very much for men. Like Zorro Uh is obviously very masculine. A lot of like sword play is very like, I don't know, it's just always been about men. But this woman 
is now stomping in and like she's just great her character is is really funny she has a, gr- a lot of great lines yeah i just it's just yeah she's lovely it's just nice to see a female protagonist in this space as well that is yes. overtly sexualized because we mm-hmm. sort of yes i like sure. like for male gears anyway because i feel like you know you might have seen a game like this in the mid 2000s and it would not have looked like this you know what i mean yeah mm, and I, I think it's just yep. so refreshing to like kind of have this like action game protagonist and yeah yeah it's just the sort of thing that the indie space can do that in triple a yeah. you'd have to fight for i think is yes you know, still i think today when you look at bigger games with female protagonists and the, the the fight that devs go through to make them either not extremely like overly sexualized or just change them into a male protagonist mm-hmm. you know when you read about stuff mm-hmm. like that and you're like that is that's is heartbreaking that we're still kind of in that headspace a lot of the time in triple a dev but an indie dev can just be like this is the character i've envisioned and there's a lot more freedom and it's just a great example of why indies are Indies, mm-hmm. indies are coming for you, AAA. I swear. Like, this is, you know. Girl, Adelia's coming for you. She's yeah. going to whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. Yeah. Rebecca, do you, what's your first pick? Hello. Yes. <laughs> oh, jeez. I'm so warm. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it is hot. I'm <laughs> horrific right now. But nevertheless, I do want to talk a bit about Tiny Bookshop, which is a game that got, um, mm. it was one that was already on my radar. In fact, I started, uh, at the very beginning of this year, I started a word doc called 2024 anticipated games just to keep this game in it so i didn't forget about it because incredible it is not i think spring 2024 was always the uh release target i think that's not changed but yeah we uh i played the demo i don't remember if you were with me as well rachel but i definitely played the demo at egx last september um i loved it i adored it i have been eagerly watching its development ever since and it got um a new gameplay trailer as part of wholesome direct it is so delightful. It is, I have said, I think every time I've written about this game, but I've said that this is my dream life. It's the idea is like, it's a management sim, but it is the most chill management sim you've mm. ever seen. It's like you just sack it all in and get a little caravan and take it to the beach and sell secondhand books out of it. Like amazing. And yeah, it's just got that. It's this beautiful art style. It's kind of got the same hand paintedness as like Untitled Goose Game or whatever, but it's, it's that mm. sort of that sort of like very indistinct outline for characters and locations, but it just looks gorgeous. It's got this very, very, very English, like seaside town sort of feel to it. It's so nice. And the, um, yeah, the new, the new footage um, that they showed for the first time uh, this summer shows interacting with the townspeople in a bit more depth. And honestly, I wasn't expecting such like heartwarming stories from the way that your protagonist interacts with the people in the town. But it seems that there's way more story to this management sim than I was expecting. So I did Aww. genuinely like learn something new about this game that I was already excited for. Because um, yeah, the, the trailer shows, um, I think it's a local metal band comes in and wants to put a flyer for their concert up in your in your shop window and you can kind of be sniffy about it or you can be like yeah of course like you know we're all artists supporting artists put the thing up and then at the end of the trailer it's like their concert and they're like shout out to the tiny bookshop for helping us get here oh my god this is adorable i need this so much um yeah and i'm just you know if if there are other like little kind of story threads running through this this Mm cute little business i mean i was already i was already 100 percent in it obviously like again i started the word doc on like the 3rd of january this year <laughs> to write about this game next year is how excited i was it's already pretty high excitement but yeah it's, there's even more to it than i thought and i already thought that there was plenty of game there to enjoy so yeah for sure keep an eye on tiny bookshop 
It sounds adorable. I'm so excited. I can't thank you enough for bringing this into my life, Rebecca. <laughs> this looks incredible. Oh, it's so nice. I've not heard of this. It looks lovely. There's a little cat that sits on a little chair outside your bookshop. Oh, precious. Just, and it looks like cat. you can customise the little bookshop. You can customise and... the bookshop. You can paint the walls. You can like, there's a sort of like Sims-like aspect to decorating to an extent, the interior and exterior of the bookshop. You can choose which genres you want to stock most, um, oh, which can be like, depending on what cool. stock's available, on what your readers like, on what you like. It's just books. I love that so and much. cats and music and the seaside. So cosy. Yes. Damn. Amazing. <laughs> yep. Excited for that. Added to wish list. <laughs> Naturally. <laughs> of course. <laughs> so I have two that were both uh, shown off at the PlayStation Showcase. So I'm not going to give them a huge shout out just because mm -hmm. I think they've already had such a huge platform, but mm -hmm. I'm very excited for them and I still want to mention them. So the first one is Revenant Hill, which is the first game by the Glory Society, which is the new company that was founded by co-creators of Night in the Woods, um, which is a cooperative game studio, which I think is really cool. Nice. So <laughs> the main character looks like me from Night in the Woods which got me oh, very excited yes. when I first saw it. But the cat isn't as anthropomorphized. They are a cat in a human world. And uh, Scott Benson, who was the artist on Night in the Woods, uh, they tweeted and said, that's not me. That's just how I draw cats. <laughs> Please don't point out the comparison too much, which really made me laugh. So uh, the trailer is quite, um, it feels more like a mood setting trailer. It doesn't really tell you anything specific, but uh, I was looking at the Steam page earlier and this was the uh, the paragraph in the description. It just said, the year is 1919. After the barn he was living in burns down, Twigs the cat takes up residence in a wet log near an abandoned graveyard. When the owl from the next hill over starts demanding rent, Twigs <coughs> must find a way to make ends meet and things just get more complicated from there. It looks like you have to basically make money in order to survive. And I think oh. there's going to be a reflection on the story of twigs who is trying to make ends meet against uh, other animals that maybe are in a different maybe in a hierarchy above twigs maybe oh. one that hasn't been enforced has been enforced by the animals i don't know and mm. um, but it looks very anti-capitalist it looks very pro-union pro-worker um which is a lot of uh the themes that i think scott benson is a creator uh mm. in the glory society share very very excited for revenant hill that looks extremely like my kind of shit and precisely the kind of game we need in the modern era the other game on is very quickly shout out is sword of the sea which was also at the playstation showcase um so this is by giant squid the team behind the pathless and abzu oh this I, one yes yeah, yes i think i know the artist responsible for journey is heavily involved in this game but i think they are heavily involved at the studio as well uh, and Austin Wintory, the composer of Journey, is also involved in this project. Amazing. <laughs> Good oh, reaction from Rebecca. There. Yes, I love that soundtrack so much. It's one of my favourite things to right? listen to. I love it. So this one has a dynamic Austin Wintory soundtrack, which is Ooh. quite exciting. So it changes based on the things you're doing. So Giant Squid are very, very good at making games that are all about movement and flow. Uh, yes. which are some of my favorite games. Uh, the idea is basically that you're skateboarding on a sword through these like rolling dunes in this incredible, beautiful landscape. So yeah, you can, you know, travel from A to B, but you can also do like tricks on a half pipe, which is just very exciting to me. Mm. Uh, it looks colourful, dynamic and gorgeous. There's not like a huge amount to say on it because it's just been one trailer. And I think it's probably going to be quite a, a vibes based game, uh, which is a very lazy way of describing it. But yeah, very, very excited for those two. No release date. Uh, nice to see them being put front and centre at the PlayStation Showcase. 
That is nice. Yeah. yeah, excited for oh. those two. I totally forgot about Sword of the Sea. I love Abzu so much. I mm. bit of a take, but I like it more than Journey. Like any games that are like underwater. Journey was like a big game for me, but in terms of like something that I enjoyed and I back to frequently, Abzu was that one for me. Yeah. Um, and this just looks so. It's so true what you said about like that. They're a studio who love playing with movement and fluidity yeah. and. It's great that like they've returned to like dunes for that and mm-hmm. yeah, this it has journey great. vibes. Yeah, it does. Do you want to know my spicy take about journey? Ooh. I love journey, by the way. I really love journey. I prefer flower. <laughs> oh, that's fair. I've, I think flower was yeah. one of the first indie games I ever played, and like <gasps> I was like blown away by it on the PS3. I was like Bl- blown away. Is that this? a? <laughs> oh, I wasn't. I'm not that smart, but thank you for pointing it out. <laughs> <laughs> that is good cheeky little pen <laughs> yeah i mean i mean journey is better <laughs> that's fine i agree I, I completely agree with people but personally it had an oh, emotional nice, uh, impact on me yeah <laughs> isn't that kind of the uh i don't know i feel like that's the whole ethos behind indie gaming though is like the subjectivity mm. the the different things speaking mm-hmm. to different people that's i don't know it's so hot and I'm making no sense, but I do just want to <laughs> no, be like, yeah, I don't know. in the mood to gush about how, you know, how nice it is when different viewpoints get space in gaming. Yes. And mm-hmm. again, I guess I'm just going to bang that drum again and be like, that's, you know, what I like about indies. Yeah. <laughs> the brain is melting. Just melting. Just going to melt entirely. He is seepage. <laughs> yeah. Brain. No. Oh. <laughs> I feel you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not quite there yet, but I feel you. I liked your point, Rebecca. Oh, thank you. I agree. I think you're completely correct. It's one of the founding principles of this podcast. Yeah, even when your brain is melting, yeah. you are correct all the time. Drunk on there. I'm like, I am at my like sort of getting drunk phase of mm. eloquence, even oh, though I haven't had a drink mm. in like three days because it's so bloody hot. I'm sweating in ways I didn't know I could sweat. Mm, uh, Rachel, shall we bounce back to you? Yes, sure. My second pick is, ooh, which one should I go for next? Ooh, I'll talk about Jusant, which is yes, Don't Nod's climbing game, yes. which I saw the trailer of, thought it looked very pretty. Um, it's, it's, yeah, it's a climbing game. The trailer shows a young protagonist climbing up a big, big old tower, like, um, and a cliff face. And you, so it was, mm. quite, it was quite pretty. Played the demo and this game shot up to like my top five immediately. Wow. It's, yeah, the climbing mechanics in this game are tense. It's terrifying. It's very, it's not quite free soloing. You have a rope and you have, um oh what are those things that you hammer into the side of cliff faces they're like anchor points oh gosh you, they're called something specific i don't know i'm gonna but you have a rope and anchor points and yeah. you essentially are like navigating the side of this tower um there's like a hinted that there's a, a civilization that used to live there that has now left you find notes and stuff very dope nod you find notes and stuff explaining more world bin- building um story but essentially the demo is you just scaling the side of this cliff the way the controller works is that you because i think you play with the controller i think it's better just because you get the grasp of those triggers Mm. and you really do feel like tense when you're playing it so Mm. a is to grab and then that both the triggers are your left and right hands and so you have to hold the trigger with one and then move the trigger with another 
and then ah. release one trigger, so, but holding oh, the other. That. So you really are gripping this controller in a way which you feel like you're gripping on the side of a cliff face. And That's it's amazing. It's a cool system, which at first is quite like, I felt like I was scrambling a lot when I was using it at first. You, mm-hmm. ha- it's, you have to kind of get used to it. But once you do, this game is like unbelievable. The climbing is, is great. There's different routes you can take. Um, like from different angles of this tower of this i call it a tower they call it a tower it's basically this massive mountain but it's like a very straight it goes up there's no like inclines there's no way that you can walk up it you have to climb up it Mm. um and it's just it was great i just love the feeling of like terror as you're and you can fall you can fall um off the side if you lose both of your if you like like let go of your triggers on the controller you just full-on fall off um to you to your doom oh wow (laughs) all right so the rope doesn't save you if you fall off you do just die so what you need to do is make sure that you do have a tether point so you need to make sure that as you're climbing you're actively banging those hammering those tethers into the rock face you have four is your limit and so you have to kind of navigate through this like vertical rock face with four tethers and it's just great and there's lots of different ways of doing that you can just pure purely climb just climb you can tether yourself up there's at one point where you put an anchor point drop down on the rope and swing and wall jump so you can access higher points there's just lots of different ways in which this kid can like scale this tower there's oh there's also one oh my gosh where you prepare a jump and you just free jump up to the next point, like no rope, no nothing. And if you miss, you fall. But you wow. can't, there's oh, wow. an opportunity for you to grab onto the side of the, fa- of the cliff face again. But you, like, there's just moments where you just have to jump and hope that you make it. Like, it's just really, it's really great. I had a great time playing it. It looks stunning. It's very kind of minimalistic in terms of like mm. the visuals. There's definitely more of a story going on, but the demo didn't quite get into that. I'm looking at the trailer now and there's a bit of the trailer where it's like raining and windy and I just don't want to think of what that's going to do to your climbing. <laughs> that's yeah, amazing. It's, it's, it's not very don't nod, but it's also very don't nod. If that makes sense, yeah, indeed. <laughs> who who are don't nod? I don't feel like anyone in this particular uh, group of people has any experience with that uh, developer. Oh God, you know, <laughs> I love Rebecca's laugh. <laughs> I was. It's just because I have been I've been theory crafting over this game as a resident yes. Life is Strange fan. Because um, yeah, I'm just sort of like Rachel. I'm so glad that you had a good time with this demo because there was there was a an, um, one of our rare chats that wasn't recorded recently where we got into the fact that despite the fact that I'm a massive Life is Strange fan, I find Don't Nod to be quite hit and miss as a, yes, as a yeah. studio. Um, I love Life is Strange. I love Tell Me Why, but other things of theirs, like, for example, Twin Mirror or the recent Harmony Fall of Reverie, I've not gotten along with quite so well. Mm. Um, so yeah, really pleased to see that Jusant looks like another hit. Yeah. Really pleased with that. But yeah, the theory crafting I've been doing, because of course I've been theory crafting. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. Um, the protagonist of this game looks exactly like daniel from life is strange 2 yes which is a character mm. that i believe although they've handed off life is strange to deck nine now they still kind of have the rights to and this is not a serious theory but nevertheless mm-hmm. i feel the need to to put it out there so i keep thinking about like 
the fact that you've got um, that one character in What Remains of Edith Finch, who turns out to be the protagonist from The Unfinished Swan. And it kind of has that that oh, level yes. of crossover between the two games. Yes. I can't not picture this protagonist as Daniel from yes. Life is Strange 2. And I'm like, I just wonder what that will bring to my reading of this game when I do eventually play it. Is the fact that I'm like, because they can't continue Daniel's story in Life is Strange. It's too, it's too weird and varied to continue in that mm. universe. So I'm just like, yeah, give me like a sort of a spiritual successor to Daniel. I mean, like, it can't be entirely accidental that despite the different no. art styles the character looks so similar it's the hair it's the it's the, the little hairdo is dead on i'm just there like yeah so i'm sort of in the same way that we adopted tell me why as a life is strange game even though it's not i'm willing <laughs> yeah. to also i'm looking at Dusant like yes yes you this too is strange game. be absorbed into the life is strange multiverse <laughs> <laughs> it's also because like there's a lot of like orangey rock faces so it's giving very it's very like, like the that, fifth that episode of the US the, like the, mm. the end of the game where they're at the I don't want to say too much in case people haven't played it but yeah they do visit Arizona I think near the end of the game and yes. it's got a very similar look to the part of Arizona that they're in yeah so theory crafting over thank you for listening I love that I, I want I was like the second that Rachel said that you were going to do that game I was like I need I need Rebecca to to repeat what you yes. said to me the other day <laughs> what I love about this I haven't played the demo but I'm desperate to is I think Don't Nod is so good at storytelling when they hit they hit and I love the idea of having a tactile gameplay mechanic at the heart of a game that it hinges on completely this idea mm. that you are going to just be climbing and that in of itself is a very methodical repetitive sort of like tactile mechanic and then layering over a story over that mm-hmm. especially like a well-crafted don't nod story i think that's a a really uh compelling proposal yep also great you said pick. hinges on another great did pun. i incredible the puns are just i fun. am so what happens is when i overheat <laughs> i'm a better communicator but i have no idea what i'm saying that's interesting <laughs> how do i exploit that start to record all podcasts from a sauna from now on oh my god i can't That's i can't think of like hot now. things right now right cold, cold. i am <laughs> two Arctic minutes tundra. away genuinely two minutes from going down to my freezer getting those ice packs that you put in picnic bags and just <gasps> putting two on the floor next to my feet it's like a good idea so i can cool it's a really good, good idea uh, uh but yeah do you saw it's great. Also, there's an alien in it. I forgot to mention that. He has a backpack. Oh. There's like an alien creature in it. I think it's part of the civilization stuff, but... Oh, shit. Nice. That's cool. I didn't even so, pick up on that. That's, yeah. that's wild. So he has a little brother to look after. Anyway, yeah. Just just feeding Rebecca more stuff. <laughs> yeah, thank you. No. <laughs> Bring it all over here. I appreciate it. <laughs> oh. I love it. I can't wait for the... Yeah. nine hour video essays about the comparisons between the two. Oh yeah oh i actually do sit and watch those like did you know that in life is strange true colors alex wears something with a cat on it and that means this about the <laughs> oh my god <laughs> yeah, i love did those. you know uh, would you like to do your second one or? i will do my second one this room just became incredibly hot i don't know if it's because i thought about a cool thing but nevertheless we shall persevere and i will talk about still wakes the deep which is my Mm, second pick which i remembered as we started recording and i really really want to talk about it um because yeah genuinely so we did we did a video over on the rps youtube channel a few days ago liam did the video and we all got to go and geek out and then he did the hard work and (laughs) i was very genuinely going to choose still wakes the deep until they announced that ace attorney remaster and then i was like well (laughs) There is, there is nothing else. But no, I do want to circle back to Still Weeks the Deep because 
it was very much my my first choice of pick for a reason because I love nautical horror. I'm sure this came up during our dredge episode, but nautical mm-hmm. horror, one of my favorite subgenres of horror. Um I remember back in 2019 freelancing around pitching an article that never got picked up anywhere sadly because I was really hoping to write it about the fact that that was like the year of nautical horror so many games came out with mm. this this ocean bound theme and it just mm-hmm. it draws out so many interesting things from from psychological horror particularly is this mm. very isolated setting um I'd never seen it done on an oil rig before which I think is a really exciting Yes, really exciting thing that they're doing. I'm like so excited. Just when that that oil rig at the beginning of the trailer looms out, looms out of the mist and you're like, yes, this is, this is so, I don't have much more to say about it um, other than the fact that it's by Chinese Room who made some of the Amnesia games or all of the Amnesia games. Do correct me, please. They made Machine for Pigs. Machine for Pigs. Thank Mm -hmm. you. And they also made, uh, everybody's gone to the Rapture. Am I correct? Oh, thank goodness. They also made everybody's gone to the Rapture. You can tell I'm too hot because I can't remember studio names. Uh, and their games anymore but yes everybody's on the rapture is possibly the the most acclaimed indie game ever you know depending mm. on depending on the metrics you use but i think it i think it's it is or was until recently the most bafta nominated game yeah of any of any stripe yeah. you know so i mean that's that's good pedigree right there and they have this this history with horror with machine for pigs and just the settings dead on you know the the team behind it is really promising it has everything that i kind of love from horror, and we mm-hmm. all know I love horror. Yeah, there is mm. not much else to say about it at this point because we saw maybe a minute, 90 seconds of, you know, very early footage. Horrible footage. <laughs> Horrible footage. But it's like, you don't really see in that footage, correct me if I'm wrong, you don't see anything... No, you don't. That horror- yeah, you don't horrible. see anything horrifying. And it's just, it, it really oh. hammers home the sort of psychological elements yeah. that I think they're going for. And mm. yeah. yeah, I mean, the anticipation is almost better than knowing at this point just knowing that there's this very 100%. cool oil rig based horror game coming out i don't think it's even got a release date yet has it no i don't, don't think know so. uh don't believe so again i can't reach my keyboard i do apologize i keep throwing questions to you two like <laughs> do my research for me because i forgot yeah i mean there's there's not much more to to say about it other than that yeah this is exactly my my jam and i'm very excited yeah. and i wanted to give it a shout out and it was a little bit robbed by the capcom news although <laughs> yeah. another colleague did put it in that video so it's not been entirely neglected yeah, it was still even, represented yeah, yeah that's yeah, good yeah. i think what i like about this one is like uh, chinese room are good for like setting a scene they do a yeah. lot of like environmental based storytelling and i will i don't play a lot of horror but when it's more that side of a horror i mm. will push through because kind of like layers of fear but like it, it's a bit more there's more of like a story going on and the environment is a bit more a, a player in it and so this is, I'm definitely going to play this, even though I'm going to be so scared. Like I, I've loved Dear Esther. I love Dear Esther so much. And yeah, everyone's got to Rapture as well was phenomenal. Not played a machine for pigs because it is a horror game. And I don't want to, <laughs> don't want to do that. But yeah, this looks so good. Just like really, really the does. the narrow corridors of like being mm. somewhere where you can't escape. It's like a haunted house, but like not a, ha- not a house. It's, it's like PT, but. On an oil rig. <laughs> Definitely. I, yeah, there's there's something about the oil rig thing that just when I saw it, I was like, of course. Yeah. How has no yeah. one done this yet? But mm. also the fact that it's in, I think, the best possible hands to be tackling a horror yeah. game walking sim through an oil rig. Yeah. It, yeah Got to be Chinese room. So. Well, like like Rachel said, like their, their eye for detail mm. is mm. second to none. Like, you know, everybody goes, to, everyone's gone to the rapture. 
Is that what it's called? Everybody's Everybody, gone to the rapture, I think. Everybody's gone to the rapture. Yeah, yeah that yes. really threw myself off there. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, although I didn't really click with that as much as other people did, I adored the representation of a town in Shropshire. I just thought it was like... Yeah, right, you've never played a game like that because no one sets it in a rural village exactly. in Shropshire. And there's something about an oil rig that is just so horrifying to me. I... I was thinking a lot about oil rigs um, earlier this year, actually, when I was reviewing Dead Space, uh, the remake, right. because mm. I think the sort of idea of a claustrophobic metal prison that is trapped in the middle of nowhere, you know, you mm. physically can't get off it, is just horrifying in and of itself. An ex-partner's dad um, used to work in oil rigs and the stories he would tell about it, you know, these are these oil rigs that were... Um, sort of near Dubai that he would go and work on for six months at a time and just how close quarters you were and the he described the sweat and how the sweat would rise off your body and cling to the ceiling and then drop back down like rain Ooh. and just like it's such an interesting unexplored idea in a video game mm, and I yeah. think yeah Chinese Room a great company to do that you know I was doing some research because I was like what does the Chinese Room refer to do you know what that is the concept of the Chinese Room no no it's a theory about how we can never make an intelligent AI, which I've never... It's really? a really interesting thought experiment. It's the idea oh. that if you put an English speaker in a room and they only speak English and in one side of the room is a, a an input like slot and you pull out a piece of paper and it has Chinese letters on it. Mm -hmm. And then you've got a reference book that tells you in English instructions how, how to respond to those characters but never teaches you Chinese. Right. So you look at those three characters and you read your English book that says, if the, if this one, respond with this one. Mm. And then you output it. A Chinese speaker would assume that there was a Chinese, someone who knew Chinese oh, in the Chinese room. Whereas actually it's just someone has a manual that almost lets them cheat. I th I'm butchering this, but that's the general that's idea. Really, is no, that just not because, at all. It's, yeah, that yeah. makes so much sense to me. All so of it's, a it's almost like ChatGPT, right? It's like ChatGPT gives the idea of intelligence, the idea that it understands what you're asking it to do, whereas actually it's got a little rule book that almost circumvents the actual intelligence part and just gives it an input-output. And nice. that's and even that, so even when I read that, I was like, God, they're, they're so clever over there, aren't they? Right. Like, they really oh my are. goodness. Yeah. Just my mind is <laughs> even blown naming a whole your company that level now. Oh yeah. my gosh. Yeah. That's thank you, you Liam. Go. That's really interesting. That I, is interesting. I had wondered what it referred to, but I'd never got around to looking it up. So yeah, yeah neither would I. It's just I was looking at the other day. It's a dad fact for you. <laughs> it's a good one. Can I just as well, like before we leave Still Wakes the Deep, there's just mm -hmm. one one more thing. A little bit of a tangent, but I just want to kind of get the get the read on this because like my feeling when I heard oil rig set game and I don't know why mm -hmm. I think this about oil rigs and not other things like ocean liners or whatever because it applies across the board but I think it's the idea of like you work there for so many months at a time I guess and that you yeah. you, you kind of could leave but you don't my sense of like the horror of that is not so much like you're very isolated with the unknown but it's like everything outside of the oil rig is unknown like anything could yes. be happening elsewhere. And yes. that's, and you're it's, just, it's, yeah, it's, it's almost like this sort of space station horror you get in things like, true. Uh, the, the, the example that I'm reaching for is Prey, because I love Prey, I know, not indie, but it's that sense of like, whatever's happening here on earth, it could be worse, or it could be that nothing's oh, happened. And that's such a good idea. Like that's oh. kind of the, the read. <laughs> that's creepy. I, that's kind of the read I got off the, of the horror vibes for Still Wakes the Deep. And with no context, yes. I don't know how true that will be, but, I just wanted to like, 
oh, bring that, that up because true. I just love it as an idea. I love the idea of like I you're that, yeah. you're kind of alone and communication stops, and then what do you do? Nothing. There's nothing you can do. Yeah, wow. exactly, exactly. I think oh, I've made Rachel so cry. <laughs> just like ah, <laughs> oh, I think for me the oil rig is interesting because unlike other stuff. I feel like with an oil rig, you're disturbing something below. Mm, that's and so it's true that, as well. It's, Very it's true. the fact that you're actively poking at something. Mm-hmm. You're or more s- sort of connected to what's down there than like on fuck a boat us. Do you know or, what I mean? Yeah. We yeah. deserve it. <laughs> oh, yeah. How have you both just pulled two takes <laughs> from this game that has a 45 second trailer and both of them are so good? Like, goodness me, you two. They're brilliant. <laughs> I hadn't even thought about that. Yeah. Oh, we just inspire God. each other. These things just off the off the cuff. I'm just always thinking about creepy shit, so that's me. Yeah, but. you are. <laughs> yeah, fair. All right, fair. Also, very, God very quickly, damn. Rebecca, have you read Our Wives Under the Sea for nautical horror? I have not. You know, I was literally looking at it the other day. I have not read it's it yet. It's really good. Super short. I super recommend it. I cause... must check it out then. It was, it was, I was... Oh, what was I doing? Okay, definitely do it. Yeah, nearly, nearly picked it up. Didn't, will do now for sure. So, sapphic horror underwater, weird vibes, poking something. I have heard. It. I am currently reading uh, the last true poets of the sea, which is a slightly Ooh. more fantasy, sapphic, ocean-based <gasps> um, story. Oh, I heard of that one. So, yeah, little bonus bonus recommendation in there. Yeah, I won't linger books. on it, but yeah, bonus, <laughs> bonus books. Hold on, I've got to add these on Goodreads. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what was the one you said, Rebecca? Uh, the Last True Poets of the Sea by Julia Drake, I believe. Heard nice of both name. Of those. How many? Um, I'm being really silly now, but how, do you know how many like pages it is? Is it really uh, long? Um, I've got it on Audible, so I. Oh, I do should not get know. into that because I can't. I, any books over 400 pages, I'm so I can't get through them. Uh, I, get I mean, not really to sidetracked. Not to promote Amazon products too much, but you know, audiobook providers of your choice, genuinely. Yeah. Like I need invaluable to. for adults with busy lives who can't get into reading long books as mm. much as they want to. The only audiobook I've listened to is I'm was it I'm glad my mum died by Jeanette McCurdy and that oh, was really, I really want to read good. that. I've is heard really of good? that. Yes. Well, because she does it herself, mm. and that's oh, the wow. only reason why I went for it. Because people were like, "If you're going to do it, listen to it to audiobook because it's like her voice." Mm. Anyway, oh, wow, book yeah. book talk <laughs> book talk. Sorry, it's just book talk, sorry, it's went everywhere. Sorry, Welcome but, yeah. to In Discovery Rock Paper Shotguns Book and Ghost Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Books about ghosts and ghost reading books. Oh, that sounds like Grave Expectations by author oh, Alice Bell. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> available in all good bookshops now. I nearly slingshotted into a bunch more recommendations, but I think that was the best one you could have done. So I think we should just leave it before I <laughs> yes. Oh, that was a good pick there, Rebecca. Good one. Good one. Thank you. Yeah, great recommendations. Very good pick. My next game is Kibu. I think I'm saying that right, which was in the Wholesome Direct. It's Uh, by Studio Inky Fox, which is a great name. They've made one other game called Omno, which I've never played, but seems to be pretty highly rated. Um, So this is a farming sim where you play as a little red panda who lives by themselves (laughs) in the middle of nowhere. From what I can tell, the game is about building a temple and exploring the surrounding mountains to discover huge spirits. It's like a big ghost bird. Ghosts? Lots of ghost chat in this episode. Yeah. It just looks gorgeous. Colourful. It's got like autumnal forests and like crystal clear rivers. And you can grow plants, you can fish, you can build, you can do like big jumps over cliffs. It looks very, very nice. And I think what's interesting about Kibu is that farming sims are, there's a lot of them these days, you know, a lot of 
a lot of people uh, take very well to these sort of more pastoral experiences. And what's interesting about this is that it just feels like a very unique context for one of these. The idea that you're sort of like this fox that's by themselves. Because normally these games are about community. They're about inhabiting a character that lives in a village and you can get to know people and it's about building these relationships. But from the looks of it, you're just by yourself. And that just feels very different. Uh, and it looks like maybe it's set in Japan or somewhere that's inspired by the Japanese island. Yeah, uh, it just looks really nice and it really, really caught my eye. And I'm on a it bit does. of a farming sim kick at the moment because I'm currently playing a lot of Story of Seasons of Wonderful Life. So I'm sort <laughs> oh. of in the mood to just keep that train going. <laughs> <laughs> this looks gorgeous. This looks so nice. Everything is it's so nice, sun-kissed. <laughs> mm, yep. It looks lovely. It's a really, really nice idea for a game. And it sort of looks like it has... Not combat, but almost like training. Like you sort of use this really? staff to get around and there's clips where the panda's almost like, and it might just be pressing a button to perform a move, right? But it looked like they were almost sort of like honing their skills alone, sort of oh. like on a field. And they almost sort of like that as a mechanic of like a, a combat system that isn't used for violence. <gasps> And I might Love be I might, I might be reading into this completely, but I just that's just sort of sparked an idea of like, wouldn't it be nice if it was sort of like about the methodical regiment of learning to attack, but never using it for anything other than sort of like a routine? I don't know. Oh, just maybe that sounds great. Yeah, I, hmm. that does have just a really nice. Also, yeah. a farming yeah. sim where you don't yeah. have to deal with anyone else. Oh, I was going to say, yeah. Yeah, that also has a, really? I'm, Does I'm that a little appeal? bit worried about the panda oh, that's yeah. going to be lonely, but. <laughs> yeah, fuck all those stardew villagers. I don't really? just want to be alone. Oh, Leave me alone. I mean, we've... <laughs> <laughs> Bestie Shane. I think there's something about isolation being totally 100% okay. Um, yeah, I think I like that as well. Yeah, It's just cool to be on your own and practice your... It looks like kendo, like practice your kendo or like farm mm. some carrots. I think there's this th thing like we just talked about with horror games, isolation being scary. Absolutely not. Isolation can also be very fulfilling. It can yeah. be, yeah, a great energy booster. I love the sound of this game. What a great choice. <laughs> I, I was just coming from a much more practical viewpoint as like the point where I bounce off a lot of farming sims is where I get stressed out juggling relationships with farming. And I'm like, yeah, let's just... I've got dating sims if I want relationships. Let's I was just... going to say, there's too many hotties for you, Rebecca. You're like, I, I can't choose. <laughs> Give me a spreadsheet. Yes. That's the thing. I go and make a spreadsheet. I forget to play the actual game. Before I know it, I'm just playing spreadsheets and then I haven't touched my farm in months. So yeah. For sure. Right. Well, it, so it's interesting you mentioned that because I was trying to think about why this new story of seasons, what's well, a remake of a, an old story of se an old Harvest Moon. Well, let's not get into the Harvest Moon story of seasons nonsense. Mm. But I, I was when I started playing it, I thought it was quite boring. I was like, I'm not engaged enough by this game. Exactly the same as it was when I played it on the GameCube. And I started to realize that what I really liked about it is that it's actually a game that's not limited. It just almost gives you more room to breathe. And I'm not used to that mm. in games anymore. Mm. So... I was like, yes. I was tending to my crops and I was done in like an hour of in-game time. And I had like, you know, 12 more hours. And I was like, well, it's not really much to do. I can't go in the dungeon. I can't kill goblins. I can't like, you know, do all these little mini games. I can just go maybe chat to people and fish and collect flowers. Mm -hmm. And then it almost like, it almost like clicked for me of like, wait, hold on. This game is letting me breathe. And that's rare. And I can't believe how beautiful that is. And it almost like... Yeah, the stress of something like Stardew sometimes is like, I need to do all these things, mm -hmm. but it's a wonderful yep. life. 
Oh, oh Wonderful Life, uh, not the Christmas film. Oh, Wonderful Life. <laughs> um, it only has like, you only have two fields. You can only plant something like 24 crops at a time. Interesting. And that's almost quite freeing. <laughs> I totally so, get that. Yeah, I love the idea of like an isolated farming sim just that sort of so letting you, giving you mm. the space to to sort of just like think and almost like inhabit that world in a way that is so detached from real life because it's not just an endless list of more tasks. I don't know. I think I'm just so burned out, gang. I think I'm just craving these kind of games. I, I get it. I mean, it sounds as well like they had a really clear idea of what they wanted to say and do with this game and they've not done the tick mm-hmm. box exercise of everything Stardew has, we have to have as yeah. well, which is just... Absolutely. You know. That's really interesting yeah. that it only gives you a small amount of space because farming sims, farming, you can do in excess. It's an mm-hmm. abundance of something that you want to get involved mm-hmm. with. And the game is actively actively telling you that you have this small space. Like there's no mm. room to monopolize, to make this like industry of like parsnips <laughs> that you've like are suddenly yeah. building. This is for like casual growing. Like there's mm. no yeah. need to go outside this zone of comfort. And I love that. Yeah. I've never heard of that. Normally farming sims are like, here's your big ass piece of land that's like 10 times the size of your house um do what you want with it and you're like okay i have to use up every i have to use up every (laughs) aspect of the space in a in the most efficient way possible right let's start an industrial greenhouse in the end game whereas this is just like just be self-sufficient self-sufficiency is i'm I'm sorry to talk so much about a wonderful life i mean part of that is definitely the limitations that it was a gamecube game but it's a wonderful life has an ending uh, without spoiling things, it keeps it has time jumps constantly, and you get older. So you start as a young person, and eventually uh, you become old. And this probably is it a spoiler? I don't know. You die at the end of the game. Oh, that's the not game, a spoiler. The yeah. game ends when your character dies, and oh. I just think as an i as an idea for a game, it's so structured, mm. and you sort of live this entire life. Mm. And if you, if you divorce your partner, it's game over as well. Which I think oh, is really? Wow. <laughs> yeah. But it's such an interesting, weird game. And it's really like... interesting. It's, yeah, anyway. Wow. You can read more about that over on Rock Paper Shotgun because that's an article I haven't finished yet, but it will be live by the time this podcast is out. Anyway, I apologise. I went... No, don't apologise. Harvest Moon No, brain. love it. Yeah. Oh, Rachel, what's your last game? Right, I will zoom through this one. So my last pick is Cocoon, which a lot of websites have been talking about is mm. like their game of Summer Game Fest. Mm. Um, and I have not played it. I mean, we've just seen the trailer, but it was announced the Day of the Devs. And it just feels like everyone is kind of, everyone who's played it is like, no, this this game is worth paying attention to. So I'm trusting, I'm trusting uh, Ed in particular, who wrote about it for RPS. So you go read his preview. It sounds amazing. Apart from like visually, the one thing that attracted me to it was that it's got the same lead gameplay designer as Inside and Limbo, which I mean, if that's not enough to sell you on this puzzle game, then I don't know what will. But um, loving both those games, you can kind of see that cocoon as well. It's kind of strange. It's you play as this like bug um exploring this very like biomechanical world so it's not all about machinery it's kind of like the fusing together of like like organic and also like not organic stuff so the environments are really like weird and strange and the main puzzle mechanic is that you can carry orbs which contain worlds you can jump into and so this kind of world within a world within a world concept 
is used as the main mechanic. So you can pick up these orbs, trigger like machines or switches, jump in and out of them to avoid danger and hazards. And it just... It's kind of bonkers in terms of like how that would work, but the trail yeah. looks great and what people have been writing about, like people are really obviously enjoying that mechanic. And there's like boss fights with like these weird, like again, like bug, bio, gross, squishy kind of things. It just looks like a really cool world that I've not really seen much of before. The puzzle mechanic sounds great. I wanna I wanna play it. There's no demo, unfortunately, so that sucks, but yeah. It just looks really interesting. Uh, it was made by ooh, Geometric Interactive. Not sure if they did anything else. Steam says it has. They haven't. Maybe I don't know. Um, it's being published by Annapurna, so of course I'm going to pay attention again if they're publishing it. Very so yeah, nice. Cocoon looks great. Yeah, it looks incredible. The whole recursive mechanic is so interesting. And right. I was talking to Ed about it, and and he said it wasn't him, but uh, someone else, maybe the editor of Edge, uh, who was chatting to Ed, and mm. he got a little bit further in the demo. And um, they said that you can start to combine the worlds as well. <gasps> oh my God. So, that sounds great. Uh, yeah, sounds so interesting. There's a really loud ice cream van out my window. I, can, I don't know if you can hear it's that. It's oh. actually picking up a little bit. Yeah. Yes. Is it actually picking up a little bit? Yeah. Fuck. Can, can you get us a Mr. Whippy, please? <laughs> can you get us a Calippo? <laughs> I love a Calippo. Mm. I love a Calippo. What's your go to, like, cold ice cream adjacent snack on a hot day? Hmm. See, it's, this is t- this is a tough question for me because I'm not really an ice cream person, and, and now that I'm vegan as well, like I I used to love a choc ice. I was a choc ice babe till I died. Like I just love a big, big old square of vanilla and chocolate. That would do me. But these days, I don't know. Don't really know. The vegan magnums are really nice. Yes, they are really good. Yeah, Maybe I like that them. then. Because I'll defer to them because I've got Ooh. a dairy intolerance. So <laughs> <laughs> I like the ones. Oh, I used to like the ones where twisters. Where it was like oh, green and yellow on the outside. Yeah, yes. Twisters are great, yeah. That's a good, that's a good one. That's a fun one. Mm. Well, Chuck yeah. Ice is Ooh. like a bit basic. Whatever though. I think uh, <laughs> watermelon. The watermelon ice lollies. Probably my Ooh. my most revisited. <laughs> I've never had one of them. Really? Yeah. Oh, classic. Is it like a lolly? Yes, yes. I think they're just called watermelon. I can't remember. I have to, hold on. Let's do this on my phone because I can't reach my keyboard. <laughs> watermelon ice lolly. The first thing that comes up is a watermelon lost berry vape. Oh, round trees watermelon. I haven't yeah. ever seen one of these before. You really? No. Oh, wow. Yeah, no, they're great. They are watermelon flavored, oh, except for the part cute. that's apple flavored. The rind, the green rind is apple flavored for some reason, but I like oh. apples, so I'm not complaining. It should have been rind flavor. Right? <laughs> <laughs> these look tasty. They, they are very, tasty. very nice. I don't know if they're vegan, unfortunately. I kind of doubt it because um, they have little bits of chocolate on them. So, Oh, yeah. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, the, the pips are chocolate buttons. Um, you know what, gang? I love a cursed ice cream van with all the really horrible, oh, like, yeah. knockoff Disney art on it. <laughs> yes. I Did I send those. you that John Finnemore sketch the other week about those? Yes. 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 Brilliant. Oh, so I love good. that so sketch good. so much. There used to be one that parked um, near the Tesco where I used to work, and it had all of that, but with the Star Trek, oh, the Enterprise God. on it. And I loved it. And I really regret never taking a picture because I thought it would be really weird and rude to take a picture of this person's van. But now, with hindsight, I'm like, they had a massive. Knockoff Starship Enterprise decal yeah. on the side of their van. I should have taken a picture. I went. I went to the fun fair on Friday with a friend of mine. <laughs> yes, and I haven't been at the fun fair for a long time, and it had a great time. I actually have a photograph right here. 
look at this. It's, it's me and them on the caterpillar Aww. ride. Oh, that's that? great. No one else was on it. Are you screaming? Uh, pretending to scream, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, they were kind of say that's too blurry. Uh, we got fridge magnets of it. And I think Aww. they were so shocked that we'd bought anything from there <laughs> that they gave us free prints as well. Incredible. Amazing. The spray painted pictures on the side of fairground rides. Mm. Who does them? Like... Do you train to be that person? Because some of them, we were walking walk around, it's the Hoppings in Newcastle, Europe's biggest fun fair. It's grim. <laughs> and we're looking at so many of the rides and there's like a Frozen ride. And it was like Yassified Elsa and Anna from Frozen. Like the kind of version of Elsa and Anna you can expect like a 50 year old man to paint. Oh, And I'm just like, who... Who does this? It's I'm fascinated by it. I'm genuinely fascinated by it. If you and, and a listener, I was unique, about to, yeah, to say. yeah. If you have any idea, there's probably like a Vice documentary about about who does these. Oh uh, yeah, maybe. But I yeah, would I don't love know. to know genuinely. If you're listening to this and you know, do tell us. Or if you do it, if you're out there and you're one of those people yes. who spray paints fairground rides, get in touch. Podcast Please. at rockpapershotgun.com. <laughs> I mean, it's we like generally want to know, but if you know, if you just know, even if it's just a, a sort of bit of knowledge that you have and you don't know anyone yeah. who does it just tell us i want to know it's fascinating some Thank of them were you. so old they had peter andre and paris hilton <gasps> on them oh my god iconic yeah it was a it was a fascinating day at the fair love that that sounds so nice amazing <laughs> love it but yeah done shall we move on to section two yes i think, I think so hot too warm we're losing our minds <laughs> so this podcast is set to go live on the 20 when do we go live wednesdays yes. yes so this podcast is set to go live on the 20th of june which means that it still comes out during pride month so happy pride month Woo! you two and happy pride month to happy all of pride our month, listeners everyone happy pride just month want to say to that you. we love you all we hope you're having a brilliant month celebrating the incredible person that you are and it should go without saying trans rights are human rights so itch.io has a queer games bundle is that what it's called oh, i haven't yep. researched this bit very well <laughs> yep it's just called the queer games bundle yeah. i have also written it down as queer games bundle 2023 because they did one last year as well which seems to come up on google when you just type queer games bundle Oh, okay. Yes. So it's also on the homepage of itch, and I think it yes. will be until until June is over. Yes, I think it, it supports uh the you know the queer and diverse creators on itch. There is a lot of really cool games in there. So we thought we'd highlight a couple mm. and we'd also have a little chat just in general about any other queer recommendations that we have. I did try to play two games. They were incredibly not suitable for work <laughs> and maybe not uh acceptable to talk about on this podcast of which is owned by my employers. <laughs> So <laughs> I will defer to my co-hosts to discuss the games that they want to talk about instead. Rebecca, do you want to go first? Yeah, I will. Um, I think I think I've managed to avoid anything. Mind you, you did describe off air the games that you've been playing, and I don't think we've ever firmly established where we stand on this. But that was quite NSFW, so I will defer yes. to your better um, to your better judgment on this one. Because I was like, oh, I have an NSFW game to discuss. How bad can it? Yeah, no, it can be. Uh, yeah, it can be. <laughs> also, no shade be... on the game itself like Absolutely. it was entertaining it was presented in a very <laughs> sweet way but i ain't i ain't talking about it on this podcast so yeah. 
<laughs> Amazing. Um, yeah, I did just want to shout out. So I went through the bundle a bit to see what was what in there and see what some of the highlights were from, from mm. my own experience of kind of knowing about some stuff in the space. So I wanted to, to just highlight the fact that uh, the bundle includes uh, Lady Killer in a Bind, which is the the NSFW oh, yes. one that I was I was thinking of. I'm not going to go into detail on that one. It's just it's in there. As is 2064 Read Only Memories. As is Raptor Boyfriend. Uh, those are all like very acclaimed games that are in this bundle. The one that I have played though is Pebble Witch, which is in the bundle. Is one that I actually already owned and have been meaning to play. I've had it installed on my computer. I think it's another one that I installed at Christmas, being like I'm going to play a load of short indies over Christmas, and then Christmas itself was very short, and I did not play very many short indies at all. But yeah, I, I finally checked out Pebble Witch because it's a half hour long game, so it's kind of perfect. Yeah, Just to kind of mm. uh, dip a toe in, in this bundle and see what's going on in it. And yeah, it's just, it's a very cute, it's, um, I think the biggest criticism people have of it is kind of because of its length and the fact that it's pretty simple, but going in knowing what you're getting is like, it's, I don't think it's free outside the bundle, but it's very cheap and it's just this mm-hmm. lovely, a lovely game. It's just like a sort of exploration game. I think it's based on an Australian town and you are uh, this witch who has just come to town as part of his sort of like vocational training. He's trained to be like an elemental empath sort of witch. And then mm. he's he's sent to this town and he's going around um, like communing with the rocks in town to learn their oh, stories wow. and to so like help them with their problems. It's just adorable. It's very cute. Um, learns the stories helps with their problems it's like a very simple narrative with a couple of little things you can go off and do on the side Um, but the other central part of the story is that he has a massive crush on his teacher Um, so there's like there is the teacher who is kind of in the town who is like a very motherly sort of like mentor but there's the teacher back at the school who is this kind of middle-aged very daddy type who is always in gardening dungarees that are kind of off at one shoulder <laughs> and a kill occasionally just have like these flashbacks to this guy's lessons and he'll be like oh gosh i hope i remember to pay attention to anything that he actually said <laughs> and then he'll just sort of like bumble through what he's got to do because he was never paying attention in school and i just thought it was very cute and funny and yeah definitely one to check out if you have half an hour and you have itch Queer Games Bundle 2023. Like, it's just nice. It's just nice, in it? And you know what? I'm just going to say it as well. Any representation of a very queer, inclusive wizarding school is always good yes. by me. Mm, so yes, agree. there you go. Amen. So I haven't played any ones from the uh, Queer Games Bundle, but I have had a little scroll through it and there's two that I think look kind of cute. God knows if they're NSF. W or whatever because obviously I've not played them the first one is Someone Stole My Lunch which sounds like a very cutesy short comedy like uh, visual novel where you're in like an office and I guess someone nicks your lunch and apparently they're really hot and maybe you have to confront them about it or maybe you don't know who it is like I don't know. This it sounds just really cute and funny, and I like that the um <laughs> the description is a short comedy visual novel about your lunch and a thief both of which are hot. So guaranteed, <laughs> the person is hot. That's so. good. I like nice. That. Good to know. Uh, apparently, there's like a like a little cooking mini game or a drag. Mini- anyway, the, it looks really cute, adorable. The other one that I've had my eye on for a while, which I didn't know was in this bundle, was Queer Man Peering into a Rockpool. Um, JPG. Was it yours? As yes. Well? Was it your- your- <laughs> yes. It was. Oh, Gil, you go for it then, if you want to. <laughs> oh like- no! I mean, I have not had time to check this one out in any level of detail. So you you go ahead. But what? Yes. Oh, same brain. Honestly, same brain. Same brain. It just looks like this really weird walking sim where you play as this like dude who kind of looks like a hot dog with a mustache and like (laughs) really nice like yellow wellies on 
And I guess they're like walking through like this kind of kaleidoscopic landscape and there's someone else who he has a little smooch with. I don't know. It looks really cool and the visuals are great. And at one point he's skipping and there's like sparkles around them. Like, I don't know. It just looks really fun. So yeah, that one. <laughs> oh, this looks so good. Right? It just looks really yeah. weird. So yeah, that one. I don't know, Rebecca, what do you think about it? <laughs> I I just really like the look. I mean, obviously the title drew me in. I thought this sounds... I, I was sort of aware of this game already. The title very much drew me in. And then I looked at it and I was like, it reminds me of Sea of Solitude a little bit in the way that there's like... It's a oh. sort of flooded area that you uncover more bits of. Like the, the sea recedes as you uncover these memories. And it's kind of got... I enjoyed Sea of Solitude. I thought it was a, a fun sort of puzzle game along those lines. And this looks like a more sort of upbeat version of Sea of Solitude because... Mm. thing about Sea of Solitude was it's about, you know, mental health. It's got some pretty heavy themes. This has also got heavy themes, but as you say, the presentation is like very goofy and cheerful and kind of a bit more lighthearted. And I just enjoy mm -hmm. that that style of gameplay. And, you know, I love a good, I love a good irreverent queer game. Yes, so definitely. I could just quickly just mention one more as well, actually, since yeah. we've, we've kind mm -hmm. of overlapped. Please which do. Is, um, Absolutely. There is a game on there called You Are a Wizard, which I know that we've covered on RPS and which I just really enjoy. Again, the little nod, yes. little cheeky nod to uh, to reclaim reclaim yep. our childhoods and our past. <laughs> yes. It is doing its own thing very much, but the title obviously sets out it's it's a queer wizard game. You should play all of the queer produced, queer friendly wizard games if that sounds Agreed. like your bag. So yeah. One thousand percent. Probably worth Doing a very quick shout out to if you search for Magic Week on rockpippershotgun.com, mm -hmm. you can Worth read saying. a bunch of articles written by uh, us and the rest of the team about, you know, games about magic or made by diverse creators, trans creators, uh, for no reason whatsoever. Uh, but go <laughs> check it out. We just did it. So go check it out. Yeah. <laughs> also, if you want to hear a lot more about uh, sort of queer games or any kind of like romantic games, you should definitely go and check out um, our Valentine's Day special, which... We covered a lot Ooh, of stuff. Oh yeah, there. we did, didn't yeah. we? Oh, that was a fun one. <laughs> mm. That was a good one. Not thirsty at yeah. all. No, it was great. I mean, we 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 had some really heartfelt moments. I feel. <laughs> I think we did. Yeah, yeah. We, we talked about Hades for a long time. Yeah, Damn we, right did. we did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Learned a lot about each other in that episode. Yeah. <laughs> oh, when I think about like how it almost feels like we barely knew each other compared to now at that point, even mm. even though we've yeah. been friends for like. Six True. months or so. It was just yeah. Yes. Just doing this podcast, we've learned a lot. That was that was pre goofy. Those were the pre goofy days. That was pre, pre those halcyon pre like goofy a, days. <laughs> Goofy's now like this. Like it's like PG and AG. Yes. <laughs> Incredible. Does this? We've been doing this for six months now. Oh yeah, I think this this will be the sort of broadly six mm -hmm. month ish. Uh, this will be episode thirteen, right? Cool. So that will be half a year, which is yeah. Yep. Woo! Dang! Wow! Happy six it. month anniversary, guys! Yeah, well done, everyone. <laughs> we did Proud it. Of this thing I can't created. believe we Look got our us. shit together enough to do two episodes. I'm amazed, to be honest, that we never missed <laughs> yeah. one. And we've just, it, yeah, it's because it's, it's, it's great. It? Like, we've never missed an episode. We've never, we've always found time for, it. we've always found space for it. Mm hmm. Hmm. Oh, priorities. T Hell yeah! Taking our bets on the catastrophic event that pulls us apart. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, look, you were, you were trying to start a fight with that don't know comment. So I don't know what you'd have to do at this point. I was threatened to be battered last time I mentioned it. <laughs> you so you asked me to threaten to, to batter you, and I did. I just well, that did it. sounds very different. <laughs> yeah, that's not actually. 
<laughs> Let's not go there. Jesus. Uh, maybe take that one out if you want. Or don't. Uh, it's up maybe. to you. No, I'm gonna. When I edit this, I'm gonna have a long list of questions for the three of us. I think. Anything else <laughs> to mention, or shall we move on to hyperfixations? Yeah. Cool. I'm ready for some hyperfixations. <laughs> yeah, it's really hot. Not to rush you. It's really warm. Dying. <laughs> Hyper fixations is a part of the podcast we rush through because all of us want to stand outside for 10 minutes and stare into the sky as we try and... De- <laughs> it's so warm. I can't even finish that sentence. What's my hyper fixation? It's ice. It's the concept of ice. Uh, Rachel, you want to go first? Yeah, sure. Um, my ha- hyper fixation has been the lack of TV shows. I am desperate for some good TV. I think oh. after Succession ended, I just, I can't find that same level of mm. like hyperfixation in a TV show. Like I've tried so many shows. And so I've like, I've gone through Yellow Jackets. I've gone through industry. I tried Jury Duty. Unfortunately, Henry oh. Dibbles didn't gel that one with, with that one. I might oh, still watch it. But like, there's just so many. I feel like I've gone through at least like, 10 different shows drag race i hate the new i love um drag race i love RuPaul's drag race not gelling with all stars a so i'm not watching that mm. there's so many shows i've tried slow horses didn't get on with that and i just i don't know what to do it's like post succession blues and i just i'm so at a loss and i'm scrambling and i'm like downloading shows to watch and like there's just nothing i i am watching the kardashians because i need some brain rot but at the moment there's just nothing. I'm like, I'm hyper fixated on the fact that I need to find the next thing that will fill the void of what succession left. A deep mm. hole within my heart of trauma and that show, Jesus Christ. So yeah, that is any any TV shows, guys, throw them my way. <laughs> any listeners, I'm I'm honestly like anything at this point. Cause yeah, there's only some I can't I can't do nothing. I, I need something to to just do nothing i need i can't so yeah that's mine <laughs> i mean i haven't finished we're, we're holding off succession because we're so nervous to not have it in our life anymore oh, so God. i get it we still haven't watched the last season yet have you seen severance yes severance yeah, was so good i thought you would have done that's like the only thing <sighs> that i think is as good as Succession. yeah so. i would totally agree with you there severance is really yeah. good you seen beef on netflix seen beef really good this is the thing i saw i saw succession barry and beef all at the same time like they were all finishing and those three shows season four of barry was fine but like ultimately Mm. it was like a lot of good tv um with succession being like my favorite and now i just don't know what to do i'm waiting on good omen season two because i really like the first one Mm, yes excited for that i thought Mm. rebecca might be a fan of that one yeah yeah um I just don't know what to do. So I'm, it's really frustrating. It's like not a good hyperfixation for once. First, maybe first one of the pod. I, I'm desperate. I need a show. So recommend, <laughs> yeah, recommend shows to Rachel. Podcast at rockpapershotgun.com yeah. or jump in the Discord. Let's, in the Discord. let's find Rachel something to watch. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Like anything. It doesn't have to be new as well. It could be like, I don't know, any, anything. I've seen quite a lot of shows. So the more niche, yeah, the better. You've seen a lot, haven't you? And I'm also open to a lot of different genres. Anything from, yeah, literally the Kardashians to Succession and in between. So TV. Maybe lo- maybe Love Island. I've well, 
if you jump on Love Island, then you can talk to me and Ed about it. Because I'm so tempted. I've I've been off the Love Island wagon for many years, but I'm tempted to because it just it wasn't as good as when I watched it. That's how I felt. But I should just yeah. maybe get back on it for the for the drama and the bants because yeah, I don't know. But yeah, was the last any, one any... last season you watched the Molly Mayer, Tommy Fury? Yeah, um, I watched season. that one, and I watched the one before that one, which was really good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm just thinking about quotes from it. Um, <laughs> maybe I should Childish. get into it. Sit back down. I'm sat. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, this season, this might have to be an offline conversation. We're in the pub tomorrow, but like, it's so good. It's so spicy. Okay, I was like, maybe... I'm never getting back into Love Island. Okay. I watched 2019. I got so obsessed with it. I was like, I can never, ever get hooked in again. And now I'm back in. I'm like watching the first look. We've got like a big WhatsApp group chat. It's, it's Girl, it's so when you're in, you're in, and when you have people around you, like you're in it. You're, you're proper Yeah, you've got to have it. like a, it's got to be a social thing. Yeah. yeah. So maybe I will get into it as a, a last act of. As a treat. Know. Yeah. You know, you just sit Cleanse down after work. Palette. You're just like, I don't want to play games. I'm tired and I'm hot. So I want to watch mm-hmm. something mm-hmm. that will take my mind. I don't know. Yep. Yeah, and, and you know what? Totally you know what? As well, got booted off my parents' Netflix account because Oof. Netflix is doing that. I ain't signing mm-hmm. back up. I ain't Netflix. I'm not. I'm not signing back up. Absolutely not. We got Mm-mm. booted off ours. So when we were in the um in the hut in the Lake District, we watched. I think you should leave season three because we we're like, well, there's a oh, Netflix account yeah. here, so we'll watch it. I'd recommend that, by the way. Very funny. And then we got back, That's and even though we're being kicked off Yolly's parents' Netflix, we're back on. We haven't paid anymore. They haven't paid anymore. Something's happened and now we're back on it. So we're like desperately watching films and stuff on it again. Because yeah, I've had to boot my mum off mine. So interesting. It's ripping families apart, right? Just because line goes up. Oh, and (laughs) don't want to be a hater, but I'm not enjoying enjoying the new Black Mirror either. So don't recommend me that. Oh, yeah, I've got some. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) God, it's so hot. Interesting. Because so same, maybe we need to have that conversation as well. Yeah, yeah, maybe. I've seen two episodes and I think it's pretty... <laughs> Me too. I've seen the two and Isn't I don't it? like either of them. It's, you know what it is? It's too clean now. It's got yeah. too much money behind it. Yeah. And it's not gritty. I just don't feel like anyone's heart's in it. I don't think Charlie yeah. Brooker has any stories left to tell. That's not his fault. I just think, well, it was so much better when it was like yeah. British and gritty and like we yeah. wouldn't get a white bear in, in Netflix land. We wouldn't mm. get a... Was it Sea Dance? What's that one? Not. Uh, yes. Uh, Jesus oh, Christ. That one is. Yeah. So hard hitting. But yeah. So don't. Sorry, guys. Don't recommend me that because. No. Not into it. Anyway, let's move on from TV. Otherwise, <laughs> this should become yes, Ghost Rebecca. Books TV. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good luck. Yeah. Oh, sorry. One, it's really hot. And two, you could really tell in that conversation, the one who doesn't watch TV anymore, because I was just there like, I had white bear flashbacks and that's where I was for much of that. It's just... You did look a little bit like you drifted off into like harrowed territory. White I was bear a bit messed about me you. up. I mean, it's amazing, oh, white but bear it is. messed yeah. me up. Yes, but I, yeah. at the moment, do not watch much TV. So I was just there like... How do you do that? Maybe I should take a leave. Maybe I, I do watch that. too much YouTube. So I don't watch, yeah. like, scripted TV much yeah, at the moment. Um, yeah. I will get back YouTube, into like YouTube. various things, but I, I'm just watching a lot of YouTube at the moment. And, like, as well, in summer, I read a lot more because I have this thing where I really struggle to, like, concentrate on a book mm. under artificial light so i tend to do all my reading in the summer and then in the winter i really? do a lot more like gaming and, and watching tv and stuff um, oh, maybe i should be like a summer book babe now like you like <laughs> i'll be a summer book babe i'll take that hop, hop 
hot babe book summer. Yeah, it's definitely warm. Definitely warm, babe. Yeah, <laughs> not hot. You um, can use the book to fan yourself. Oh, as you... I would love to, but unfortunately, the one I'm going to talk about now is actually an audiobook that I've been listening to, but it is also Ooh, available what a segue. as other things. But I'm talking about a book this week, um, yes. which is Imogen, obviously, by Becky Albertalli, um, which was published Ooh. last month. I have just finished it the other day on Audible, where it was very well read. Um, Becky Albertalli, in case you're not familiar, wrote... Mm. Uh, Simon versus the Homo Sapiens Agenda, which then went oh, on to have a bunch of, uh, not a bunch of sequels, a couple of sequels, I think a spin-off. Um, obviously it's been made into a movie, Love, Simon, which is probably the oh, way most yeah. people have heard of it. Oh, it's also got yeah. a Disney Plus uh, sequel series. So yeah, Becky Albertalli, she writes um, a lot of queer YA like romance and sort of coming of age stories um, in the in the mm. sort of continuum in which I love things like Life is Strange and Telltale's mm-hmm. The Walking Dead. I love the novels of Becky Albertalli. And the new one that she's she's come out with this uh this last month is as I say Imogen obviously which is a really really personal story to her. It's obviously not exactly mm. her situation but it is it is about a woman uh realizing that she's bisexual when she's always identified as straight. It's a very as obviously as a bisexual woman I was very interested in in that as a concept, especially because the context around this is probably as well as like Becky Albertalli, she wrote a lot of these books um, when she still publicly kind of identified as straight and she got a oh. lot of like pushback on it and that sort of like self-reflection went into her like, she was sort of like realising she was bisexual as she was writing these books. Interesting. But she does feel that she was kind of like put in this situation where she was kind of pressured to come out of the closet to protect her oh. career almost. I don't want to say it like a really... Um, oh my God. Like, uh, what would you call it? I don't want to say it very mercenarily because I do, like I've read a lot of her blog posts and stuff and it's really interesting the way she talks about like, she's like, I'm not trying to like defend myself here, but I want you to understand the context of assuming that someone's cishet when they're writing about mm. LGBTQ yeah. characters. So yeah, it's, it's, it's quite personal to her in that sense. And it is like, it's still very much the sort of book that she usually writes in that it is like a YA romance and it's mm-hmm. quite like... In terms of peril, it's the least perilous things I ever read. They're always quite, you know, ordinary stakes compared to the the stuff I usually read that's got like murder mysteries in it and sci-fi shit going on. This is just this is just like teenagers in a high school, you know, and, and the sort of thing a normal teenager would probably encounter. Mm. But yeah, even though it didn't really speak in many ways to my experiences as a bi woman, I still think there was a lot that I did identify with, and I think a lot of bisexual people would identify a lot with that sort of feeling of like I don't know it's it's hard to you don't want to say like being straight mm. passing in inverted commas but it does kind of come up a lot as well and the fact that like how do you recognize your own feelings and how do you you know are you I guess obliged to in some way like code yourself as queer in order to yeah. be in queer spaces and that sort of thing and it's just it's a very obviously interesting and, and very personal look at queer community from that viewpoint. And I think the interesting thing is that a lot of different viewpoints on it are represented. And while the novel does have a clear sort of character who is espousing some very like hardline views on it that are meant to be the sort of antagonistic views, that character's not portrayed as a bad person, which I thought was really oh. like, you know, she is a person oh. who has a reason to think the way she does and is ultimately friends with the other characters, but she's got you know, these hangups and these these views that have come out of those hangups and it's about her being in conversation with them and, you know, 
perhaps not always behaving her best, but definitely not being a terrible person for it. Another thing that I really liked as well was that, although it's not the main relationship in the book, it does cover a relationship between a bi man and a bi woman, which I thought was really nice and something that you don't see a lot in fiction. And this is a criticism I've actually had of Becky Albertalli in the past, is that when she's written about bisexual characters, she's always put them in uh, same gender Mm. relationships, whereas because she's kind of branched out in this she's been a lot more kind of wide-ranging in her mm-hmm. views of you know people who are non-binary in relationships um and uh, as i say by people in different gender relationships and it was just yeah it was a really nice just a nice love story but that does tackle these issues that sit very close to the hearts of a lot of people including its author and including me and yeah great also just great like summer read great pride month read you know it's it's not too challenging the characters are likable the voices are very good yeah i yeah just wanted to give that a shout out because i usually take loads of breaks from my audible books but i listen to this one straight through so Mm, oh yeah yeah you can tell when you're like i'm eager to get to my next opportunity to listen because i will be listening because i'm so invested in the story you know so yeah damn Imogen obviously by becky albertalli check it out it's so good it sounds really nuanced Mm, it's very very mm. nuanced and you can as i say you can just tell that it's it's written from a really you know personal place but oh. i worried when i heard about it that it was going to be a bit too serious compared to her other stuff but actually it really does hit the tone i think it's the best thing she's ever written i love the simon verse books oh, but wow. it, it just really does it nails the tone for me of being like this is the experience like people who put you yeah. in that situation aren't bad people but you know queer community needs to think about inclusivity at all times and the aim should always be to be a place where everyone can be themselves, not where people have to fit into a box to be accepted. So, Isn't love there it. something so mature about being criticised and writing a book about those criticisms in a way that is reflective and not not even apologetic, but just like, yep, the people who said these things to me are not bad people. I understand their reasons. You know, mm. I'm just saying, not saying names, but there are certain authors out there who might be criticised by people and then might really go off the fucking deep end and write some really vile, ghoulish shit. And I just think that is a really beautiful uh, yeah. book concept. I'll have yeah. to read that. that I got fantastic. a lot of time for Becky Albertalli. And yeah, that would be one, Liam, that I was thinking of just before I decided to to make it my hyperfixation. I was going to recommend it to you because it sounded like the sort of thing that you would really enjoy as it, well. So. It does. Yeah, thank you. I am added it to my Goodreads immediately. Yes. Sounds like something I'd really love to read. It's lovely. And then get into all the Simonverse books and then we'll nerd about Simonverse together. It'll be so oh, good. I'd like to. I'll, I really like... What's the general opinion about Love, Simon? Because I really like that film. I haven't seen the film, you know. I actually haven't, haven't okay. checked out the... Uh, the the screen versions of the series yeah it's on my to-do list but as i said i don't really watch tv at the moment so it's kind mm-hmm. of um i don't honestly know what the reception to the film was yeah i've not seen it yeah. either it looks nice i mean the cast is good from what i've seen i'm you know i will watch it at some point it's just yeah, yeah it's, it's one good. of those things i'm like i'll get around to it but mick doesn't really watch like just straight romance stuff i don't mean straight yeah. romance obviously i mean like but yeah um so i was a little bit like i'll probably watch it when I'm on my own one evening and I'm just very, very rarely um, have an evening to myself. And I've never felt like it when I did. So I haven't watched it yet, but I do yeah. need to. Yeah, <clears throat> fair. Well, it's probably a nice segue to my happy fixation because uh, Liam has read another kind of sad book about nothing. Oh. <laughs> so I've just finished a book called Hot Milk by Deborah Levy, a book about a young woman of dual nationality. Uh, her mother is from Yorkshire. Her dad is from Athens. And she goes to Spain because her mother has issues with her legs that no doctor in the UK can diagnose. So her mother sells the house, 
makes a lot of money and travels to an experimental clinic in the heart of Spain, in like a, a desert region of Spain. And it is a book about a young woman whose mother has psychological issues, and perhaps the issues with her legs aren't entirely physical. And Aww. it is a book that sort of explores what it means to detach yourself from a parent who has maybe lent on you a lot over the course of your life. And it sort of very calmly explores this, uh, she's called Sophia, the main character, uh, this this young woman's sort of relationship with her mother, um, her sexuality, the relationship with her father. Her, her dad is older, but has just uh, married a woman who's the same age as, as Sophia and has a child and she hasn't seen mm. her for a long time. And it sort of just explores all of these these concepts and there's characters in it and, and no one's really likable in this book. And it's got a really beautiful way of sort of presenting these characters in very human ways where you're sort of like, I don't really want to spend time with these people, but I'm sort of glad I am. Mm. Beautifully written. It's, I can't describe it. It's almost like mundane, but colourful. I don't know. I Really hard to describe it. But one of those books where I finish it and I look online on like Goodreads and loads of people just hate it. <laughs> oh, mm. what? I, I know what you mean though, because as soon as you said, um, no one's really likeable. I I often find that I I love something with really nuanced characters, but a lot of people yeah. don't don't really vibe with that. Um, no, really, what? I, th- I think that might be the case because it, it when I was looking at the reviews, it reminded me of the reception of a book that I read last year, which I think is one of the best books I've ever ever read, and I recommend it as well. It's called "No One Is Talking About This" by Patricia Lockwood, which is oh, written by okay. a um, the main character is a woman who's famous and has built a career of tweeting the phrase, can dogs be twins? <laughs> and she gets so popular from this tweet that she builds a career out of traveling the world, being on panels with other social media creators. But the book is written almost like a series of tweets. Each It's like paragraphs that aren't linked and are just sort of about life and being a young woman and living in this world. And it was it's sort of set around 2016 so it talks a little bit about the trump administration and sort of like the degradation of society we're seeing the you know repercussions of at the moment mm. and that's that's the first half the first half is about being very online and then halfway through her sister has a baby and the second half becomes suddenly about human connection in a very physical and intimate way Aww. and i just had a really good plane cry over that book i finished it on the <gasps> way back from pax for the first time um, I find I cry easier on planes. Apparently, it's something to do with the pressure. I don't know. I feel like I've already had this conversation like on this the... podcast. Yeah, yeah, I feel like I've already talk, had this we've conversation. We've talked about it. We've talked about it for sure. <laughs> but no, no one is talking about this. Hot Milk, I think they both have a lot in common. I think they're both written in very interesting ways. I think they are both maybe divisive in a similar way too. But I find that type of novel very, very interesting and very emotionally resonant. Yeah, I'd recommend both of those. Good DM. books. Nice. We almost need somewhere to category like all your the books that you recommend because that's like three from like the last couple of episodes now that have sounded just really good <laughs> from you, Liam. <laughs> I mean, and Miss Rebecca's thrown one in the mix as well. Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not really like a big reader, but it's something I've really tried to push myself to do more this year because I, I get in a really bad habit of like watching speed runs on YouTube before bed, and then I'll watch one mm. speed run over the course of two weeks. It's not really helpful, <laughs> so I'm trying to read more. That's always so funny to me because whenever people tell me they're not a big reader, and then they have these like really 
deep cut like very literary recommendations and here's me mm. like two english degrees i read like 50 to 100 books a year and i'm like what? i just i just pick away at like whatever i feel like which is usually like cozy mystery young adult romance like a lot yeah. of comic books um and but yeah that's... i just always feel like I don't, i'm not saying it's bad i don't i don't choose to like Good denigrate my own reading taste i think that i you know i tore through the classics in my early 20s because it was what i was i think studying. that's the thing right um and yeah. i burned myself out on them a little bit and so i'm still kind of in the in the tail end of that but yeah i'm just like always really impressed by a load of people who are like oh i don't read much and then they'd be like oh what do you oh you know <laughs> read moby dick front to back yesterday it's no big deal like <laughs> oh my like, god wow. you know i cannot read stuff like that I, I i just i look for any book on a shelf in a bookshop uh, specifically uh, the bound and whitley beer any northerners out there check it out independent bookshop really lovely nice I, I basically just look on the shelf for anything that i think is that going to emotionally devastate me and then i buy it <laughs> it's just what i look out for That's, that is a, a fine reading taste i appreciate that i cannot share it but i very much appreciate it there's that one book isn't there which one what's that a little life have I brought that one up before? Like, is that's the one that devastates everyone? I, and it's, I it's think, really yeah, long. I think you have. And I really want to read it. I've not read it. Yes. But it's the one that I really want to read. And I know it's going to fucking break me, but it's like 600 pages or probably like a thousand. I don't really know. But I can't. I can't deal with it. Oh, Ed yeah. recommended Too long. that to me. <laughs> the last one, I yeah. think. I don't think it was the last one that really broke me, but The Book Thief, that really got me. Oh my oh, God. That book is so I had to lock myself in my bedroom to cry. That was, I was at my parents' <sighs> house for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I read that when I was like a teenager or something like years ago. Yeah, I, I read totally it quite forgot a long time about ago, it. But yeah, that's what I remember having a big cry over. Yes. So, yeah. so sad. I think that's the saddest book you've ever read. Hmm. What's the oh. saddest book I've ever read? I actually, this is definitely going to show my bias, but The Green Mile by Stephen King is surprisingly oh. really, really sad. I mean, if you've seen the film, yeah. you probably get the get the tone mm -hmm. but just the end of the book is like devastating so i i remember crying at that Shit, i can imagine that's well. incredibly sad yeah it's just something about the i think that a lot of the time when something gets made into a film it can be like incredible in its own right but if it's got mm. a first person point of view in the book mm -hmm. you kind of it it becomes a lot more immediate when you're reading the book and you're just like oh damn like <laughs> this is mm. yeah this is so sad i read a, the book itself wasn't that sad but I read a book called, I'm just finding it here, The Opposite of Loneliness, Essays and Stories by Marina Keegan. She was a literature student at Yale. Yeah. And she Ooh. died five days after she graduated in a car crash. Oh and so I think it was her family published all of her essays and short stories into a book. Oh, wow. And then I read it when I was in my early 20s. And I think it was just really emotionally powerful to sort of read, to sort of just like mm. the weight of what was lost. Yeah. Is always that book's always. I uh, normally say that's one of my favorites because it just, yeah, I don't know, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, I get it. <laughs> I just realized that asking what's the saddest book you've ever read at the end of a podcast <laughs> might be a bit of an odd choice. Rich, do you have one, Rachel? I don't want to leave you out. What's the saddest uh, book you've ever read? I don't think I. I don't think I have one. I mean, I'm not much of a big reader anyway, and when I do read books, mm. I t it, I tend not to go for the ones that I think will emotionally devastate me and like maybe Fair. you both. <laughs> Fair. I don't seek them out, honestly. Like, <laughs> I, I try you. to keep it light because I, I get my emotional devastation from video games and also the world. <laughs> uh, yes. Mm. And that's the thing with me. So I don't have an answer for that. I mean, yeah, I'm trying to think and I can't. I've never, I've never cried over a book. So there's that. 
Fair. Especially not in in maybe I should try your technique and read something while I'm on a plane. Maybe the yeah. the waterworks will turn on then. The but best no, way of doing I'm it. not. Yeah. We're all so hot and tired and now all so I sad. Know. Shall we shall we leave on this devastating note for some <laughs> maybe reason? Maybe we should just lift it. Lift it a little bit more. Happy Pride Month, everyone. Genuinely. Yeah, yes! happy Pride Month, happy everyone. Pride Month. Uh, you know what? I'll end this on a comment from one of our listeners because it really made me laugh. <gasps> Go. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds so, nice. They were recording this on the 19th, so we're all headed to Brighton. The RPS team is heading down uh, to spend some time together, which we're all looking forward to. Yes. And uh, as a result, the EWS is taking a break this week. So that means that uh, for the first time all year, this is the first week where there is no EWS or in Discovery for uh, listeners to, to check out. So I shared the video that I did with you all in the Discord and I said, hey, if you want to microdose on podcasts, uh, why not check out this video? This is shameful self-promotion, but I thought you might like it. Um, I described it as the multiverse of madness for RPS pod listeners. <laughs> and oh, then, I love it. My God. <laughs> Pete, uh, lovely Pete, has always been a supporter of this podcast uh, since we started. They replied and said, that helps, thanks. But what I really want is a post-meeting pubcast where you interview all the RPS staff about which Disney characters they're horny for. <laughs> thanks, Liam. <laughs> Bye. And that... <laughs> I think in that moment, it's solidified the effect we've had <laughs> on RPS. We have carved out our own little thing here, and I think we should be proud. Uh, yes, so thank you for your hey. comment, Pete. It yeah, properly Pete. made me laugh. Thank you, Pete. <laughs> Pete's the best. I don't think in good faith I can pull out my phone and ask anyone on the team that while my managers are around. I think I will be ejected off this podcast very quickly. <laughs> I tell you what, though, like since that conversation... I'll get reminded of a character and be like, oh shit, that should have, should have been in there. I get that oh, constantly. I'm like, oh, for I, God's sake, that should have been in there. Any you want to bring up now? Uh, I'm trying to quickly wrap my brain. Who is the one that I thought was really hot? It was definitely an animal as well. Oh um, my goodness. Well, no, I was talking to a friend you... of the podcast, Yolly, about this yesterday, and she said, Thomas O'Malley from the Aristocrat, Aristocrats, and I was oh, like, oh, kind of good. My God, I'm yeah. just gonna Absolutely. break in to give yeah. Rachel some thinking time. In the book I recommended, Imogen, obviously there is a bit yep. where they're talking about the scene in The Lion King, the one that everyone knows with the, oh, the yeah. real the real bedroom eyes scene, and there is a there is a a bit in this book where they're talking about that scene, and it just reminded me again of our whole <laughs> Disney characters conversation because she's like, oh yeah, the scene where the lions have sex, and the other one's like, what? It's just she's like you know that was the implication, right? And she's like, I thought that it was just like a nice oh, moment. Yeah. She's like, no, the implications. Anyway, I don't want to end this on talking about lions having sex, but also like it just, <laughs> you got to choose now. Lions. You've got to choose between devastating novels or two lions shagging. I'm gonna so stick with two lions shagging. I have a choice yeah. available right to me. <laughs> oh, we're gonna have now. two modes emotionally devastating horny animal <laughs> <laughs> we tried to we tried to make it pride month we tried to make it a lovely listener comment pride it's not... month ah! still talking about lion king are we <laughs> there we go it's all it's all come full circle i'm back oh it's god. the circle of life oh my god no i shouldn't try and do these things <laughs> i can't i'm so God, incredible! Oh, did you think of which no. character, Rachel? That's fine. I'll have to message you guys later when I think of them. Because <laughs> I was like, "Do I do I make a note of this?" No, I'll remember, and I didn't. I should oh, have a so funny <laughs> Disney of it thirsty list on my phone. Oh my lord! We'll it. check back in. We yeah. we all know this won't be the last time we talk about this. 
I would be shocked. Right. Let's let's eject out of these rooms so we can cool down a bit. <laughs> yes, Thank please. you very much for listening to In Discovery. Your support really is appreciated. If you'd like to get in touch with the three of us, you could do so by emailing in your questions too podcast at rockpapershotgun.com you can also chat to like-minded individuals about the wonders of pc gaming over at our discord server link is in the show notes below if you'd like to support the pod you can do so by rating and reviewing us on itunes or your podcast provider of choice if you think this podcast is a four-star podcast or below i don't care you can also <laughs> tell all your friends about the good times you've shared with us here today for all your pc gaming needs go to rockpapershotgun.com or find us on twitter facebook youtube and not really but i have to say it anyway tiktok I haven't put a video up there for about six months until next time it's goodbye from me goodbye from rachel goodbye and goodbye from rebecca goodbye bye bye who the fuck was i thinking of